to receive a life-changing word from the Lord. So I will believe the word of the Lord. I will respond to the word of the Lord. And nothing in my life. I'm going to say that again and say nothing in my life. That means your emotions, your spirit, your marriage. That means anything that is opposing you. Nothing in your life shall what? Be impossible. Father, we thank you. And we honor you for what you are doing and what you are about to do. We give you glory and honor and praise. And I'm asking, Father, that you would give me clarity of thought and mind and the ability to clearly articulate what you are saying to this house this afternoon. In Jesus' name, amen. Quickly turn with me to Matthew chapter number 5, and then we're going to also go to Matthew chapter 13. Uh, just to our visitors, this is a little bit out of our normal routine, but I want you to feel welcome. Just felt led of the Lord to, to go ahead and get into the word of the Lord. So please feel welcome. Please don't feel like we are uh, overlooking you, but thank you for being with us this afternoon. Matthew chapter 5, we're going to be reading from the New King James Version of the Bible. And I'm going to begin uh, verse number 13, very familiar passage of scripture. And then I'm going to ask that you would put your finger in Matthew chapter 13 and just one verse there. Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 through 17. If you do not have uh, an apparatus to read the word of the Lord from, it is uh, to my right and to your left on the screen here. It says, you are, these are the words of Jesus, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing, but is to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by man. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light do what? So shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Do not think that I have come or I came, rather, to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy it, but to fulfill it. Matthew chapter number 13, just one verse there, verse number 33. These, again, is, are the words of Jesus. Uh, another parable he spoke to them. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven, or another word, or another translation would be yeast, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till it was all leavened. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven or yeast, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till it was all leavened. If I don't have time to get back to that verse, let me go ahead and deal with it very quickly. Uh, what he was saying is the kingdom of heaven is like a woman who was making some bread. And when it says that he, she took the three measures and until it was all leavened, in other words, she had to mix it with her fingers. I'll get back to that. Father, again, I thank you for what you're about to do in this house. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Today, we're going to be preaching part two of our series, World Changers. And as is our custom, we always do a review of what we have discussed in previous weeks. Uh, thankfully, last week was just our first message, so I don't have to do a lot of review. Uh, but this series is about equipping, expanding our worldview and seeing ourselves in the context of history and future and empowering us to change the world and worlds, world and worlds. When we talk about the world, uh, we're not dealing with the earth or terra firma, as it were, but we are dealing with something a little bit more broad than that. When we define world, we define world as any realm, sphere of influence, domain or class. For example, we all know that there is what we uh, call an animal world, a political world, sports world, etc., and etc. Last week, I began this uh, particular series, and I, and I wanted to make the distinction between the fact that the earth and the world are not synonymous. Psalms 24, verse 1 says, The earth is the Lord's, the fullness thereof, the world, and those who dwell therein. Psalms 33 and 8 says, let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. Uh, last week, we preached a message entitled, The Science of Change. Everyone say, The Science, the science. of Change. 
And so although there are some distinctions between earth and world, there are also some commonalities between the earth and the world. And the most significant uh, commonality is that both the earth and the world can change. Everyone say change. change. So my assignment last week uh, was to bring us to a place of understanding the importance of change on a micro and macro level and to empower us to change again both the world and worlds. Uh, our definition for science that we gave you last week is the study and application of the composite of data, facts, and experimentation. We opened up last week's message with a little bit of a demonstration uh, with paper. How many were here last week? We, we had the, they got a little nervous. Uh, we lit some paper on fire uh, and then we tore it. But we were simply demonstrating the difference between a physical change and a chemical change. A physical change is a reversible change in the physical properties, but it is leaving the substance basically the same. Whereas a chemical change is an irreversible change in the atomic structure and the substance. I told you that change is dimensional. In other words, you, you can change a little bit. You can change a lot. You can change on a macro or in a, on a micro scale. Everyone say change. All this is review. Uh, now, I said this, and this is so very important, that if you want to change, brothers and sisters, you must have a new value system. You must have a new value system. What does that mean? That simply means that what you value must change. That in order for you to see change in your life and you want to adapt or adjust something in your life, you've got to see the change as more valuable than staying where you are. Are we awake today? So I gave you the change formula. Number one is conviction. Everyone say conviction. conviction. The change formula is conviction. If you want to change, very quickly, here's the formula. Everyone say conviction. 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 This is the realm of your beliefs. In other words, if you are seeking to change anything in your life, your marriage, your ministry, your money, your whatever, it starts with having a conviction. A conviction of what? A conviction that you need to change. Have you ever tried to talk to somebody and they were not convinced that they needed to change? I think everybody should have raised their hands right there. We all go through that, right? The second one is not only conviction, but is also conversion. Everyone say conversion. This is the realm of repentance. Jesus said to Peter, once you have been converted, do what? Strengthen the brothers. Uh, I'm trying to be good early. Conversion, brothers and sisters, or repentance, brothers and sisters, is not simply saying, yes, I was wrong. Conversion or repentance says, yes, I realize I was wrong, and I'm going to do something about that. Repentance literally means to turn. So it's not just a recognition of your wrongness. It is, it is an, a, an adjustment in your direction. Don't have time to deal with it. The third one is, again, commitment. Everyone say commitment. This is the realm of your behavior. So if you want to see change, you must first be convicted that you need to change and convicted changing your beliefs. You must now then begin to find yourself in a place of repentance. And you also must commit or this is, again, the realm of your behavior. So once you have been convicted, once you have repented, your behavior now has to change and be consistent with your change. Does that make sense? All right. Uh, let me keep going. I, I said this last week, and, and I, and I want to just hit it very quickly. The Great Commission, when Jesus said, go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. God showed me that, that there were three parts of this that most of the time we overlook. He says to go make what? Disciples, not converts. So a disciple is a disciplined learner. And so when he says, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, I'm not going to deal with the, uh, baptism right now. But he's literally telling them to teach them the understanding of the sovereignty of the Father, the servanthood of the Son, and the strength or the power of the Holy Ghost. Everyone say, I get that. Father, in Jesus' name, speak to us today in, a, in a, just a miraculous way. Bring us into a place where you want us to understand what you're doing in the season of our lives individually and corporately. In Jesus' name, everyone said, Amen. Amen. Today I'm going to be preaching to you a message entitled, The Yeast Effect. 
the yeast effect, the yeast effect. And my assignment is to awaken the responsibility of our influence that we have in the earth. Very simple, the yeast effect, the yeast effect. Uh, last year, I, I preached a series entitled Reach, and I introduced to us a, a formula that I'm going to reintroduce to some of us who have not heard it, uh, entitled the Renewed Kingdom Culture Formula. How many remember that? I, I, it, was a, it was a little bit of time, a while ago. But in essence, it is influence in the world plus a kingdom mindset equals an expanded definition of the church. Influence in the world plus a kingdom mindset equals an expanded definition in the church. That is simply this, that once we realize that we have uh, uh, influence in the world, we must marry that with a kingdom mindset so that the definition of what the church has become begins to expand. Does that make sense to you? In other words, many of us, some of us have only decided to keep church in the realm of, uh, of, of religion or spirituality. Y'all really quiet. In other words, some of us have decided that church is simply about steeples and stained glass windows and choir robes and microphones. But when we be, really begin to understand the strength and the power and the might of the kingdom of God, we understand that, again, the earth is the Lord's, the fullness thereof, the world, and they that dwell therein. So if I am a child of God, if you are a child of God, God is not stuck in a building on Sunday. Yes. Are you all awake this afternoon? Yes. So as we begin to see this uh, particularly unfold before us, thank you, Holy Ghost, I need you to understand that the key to this formula is understanding responsibility. Everyone say responsibility. responsibility. Say responsibility again. Responsibility. Now, one of the things that we must again understand that as a reality uh, in the life of a child of God, we live with responsibility. Amen, Amen somebody. Responsibility is a burden or an obligation that must be accomplished or fulfilled. Responsibility, brothers and sisters, comes from the word responsible, which literally means to be accountable, means to be answerable, or it literally means that you have been given something that you must give an account for. Everyone say responsibility. responsibility. Can you go grab my laptop for me, please? Everyone say again, Responsibility. Now, now, what, please understand this. I got I to gotta deal with this because some of us only, again, stay in a place where we don't feel or we don't see the importance of responding according to our ability. Hear this. So, so we, where do we get this from? Our responsibilities come from three primary places. Everyone say three. three. It comes from pri primarily three places. Number one, identity. Everyone say identity. If you want to derive where your responsibility comes from, it comes from, thank you, it comes from, number one, your identity. Everyone say identity. identity. Now, we understand this word identity. We've been preaching this and teaching this uh, for several years now, so most of us are familiar with it. Uh, but please understand that some of us aren't familiar with it. So when we talk about identity being one of the primary places that our responsibility is derived from, that means we have to have the ability to assess who we are in God. That means we have to have the, 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 uh, the understanding of what and who God has created us to be. Okay? Simply stated, let me say it like this. Uh, the Bible says that the eye cannot say to the ear, I have no need of thee. In other words, that the God, because of the way that God created the eye or the ear, the eye does not have the same responsibility as the ear. Why? Because it's not an eye. <laughs> And so what happens is, brothers and sisters, we try to, uh, in a bad way, compare ourselves to other people because we don't understand who and what we have been created to do. If you get that, say, I get that. I get that. The second thing that we must begin to see is this word gifts. Everyone say gifts. Yes. The gifts, brothers and sisters, help point us to our responsibility. Let me give you a basic example of this. I, I, I love music, but I can't play it very well. 
I'm not gifted on a keyboard. I'm not gifted uh, on a saxophone. I'm, I'm just not gifted that way. So then God would not give me the responsibility to create an orchestra or to create an album or instrumental because I, that's not my gift. Do you understand that? There are some people who innately are, are just gifted to do certain things, and that's just who they are and what they do. So the third one, brothers and sisters, is our callings. Everyone say callings. So when God, uh, so when we begin to see the composite of our identity, our giftings, and our callings, that's when we can begin to extract our responsibilities. Does that make sense to you? So when God gives you a calling or a purpose or an assignment, that is pointing to who and what and, and, and the place that you are to serve in. Does that make sense to you? Let me just uh, give you some more confirmation of this. In Genesis chapter number 1, verse number 28, we even see this. We see that in Genesis chapter number 1, that God says, uh, before we even get to the second verse or the second chapter, God says, I want you to be fruitful and I want you to multiply. I want you to subdue it and I have, want you to have dominion over all the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and every living thing that moves on the earth. In Genesis chapter 2, verse number 15, he tells Adam, uh, yes, I'm going to put you in the garden, but your responsibility is to tend and keep it. In other words, what he was saying is, I'm going to, God, feel you, Lord. I'm going to give you the tools that you need to accomplish your responsibility. I'm not just going to throw you out there and say, good luck. I'm not just going to, to give you something that you cannot fulfill or cannot accomplish. Everyone say responsibility. The reason that this is important, brothers and sisters, within the context of our series of world changers is because we can't we have to begin to see ourselves as responsible change agents. Amen. Somebody. We have to see ourselves as responsible change agents. Now, again, watch this. Responsibility is also impacted by our location. Just bump somebody and say, where are you? Bump somebody else on the other side of you and say, where are you? Some of you are about to get mad here. Just bump somebody and say, where are you? Where are you? Where are you? Now, when we talk about your location... Yes, we're talking about where you are physically, but we're more so talking about where you are emotionally and spiritually and otherwise. Help me hear Jesus. Why is this important? Where do we see this? In the garden, when Adam had messed up, what was God's first question to him? Where are you? Adam, where art thou? And watch this. He wasn't saying... What tree are you hiding behind? He wasn't saying, hey, did you go out for your morning swim because I can't see you? What he was saying is, listen, make an assessment about where you are in relationship to me. Oh, Jesus. Where are you? Where is your capacity? Where is your ability to be able to withstand the weight of your responsibilities? Do you take a lick and keep on ticking? Or as soon as the wind blows, you're nowhere to be found. Hmm. He says, where are you? Where are you? Because I, uh, I'm not going to invest the precious thought that I have towards you into a vessel that's not ready to do something about it. Oh, Jesus. This is why. See, you say, That's, what does that mean? You understand it because you're a parent. You're not going to give your child responsibilities that they can't handle. Not because you don't love them or like them or they're dumb or they're slow. It's just that they can't handle it yet. So if we understand God to be our father who has given us a mandate or responsibilities, hear this, then that means we have to mature and grow up as sons and say, let me deal with my issues. Let me make an assessment about where I'm at. Let me be honest and say, you know what? I, I really, I, I'm not good in this area. I really need to be better in this area without slipping into condemnation, but slipping into repentance. Oh, Jesus. Y'all going to wake up and help me preach here. 
Notice what he says in Psalms 92 and 13. He says, those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. He says, remember we're talking about location. He says, those who are what? Planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courtyards of our God. What is he saying? Again, he's not saying not people who get a cot and live in the back of the sanctuary. But what he is saying is, again, the house of the Lord is a structure in which the system of things is accomplished. So what he is saying is, as you and I live according to the structure and the system that the Lord has established for our lives, we'll find ourselves flourishing and be blessed. Do I have any witnesses here? Do I have any witnesses here who can say, you know what? I did not all I was not always stable in the house of the Lord. But once I got stable, friends started leaving me. Uh, 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 distractions started leaving me. Uh, I found myself having more peace. Uh, I, I wasn't always trying to figure the next move out. Can I have any witnesses in the house? I'm just I'm just asking because I'm really kind of quiet today. I, I'm just wanting to know if I'm in the right place because most of us, if we're honest, if we're honest, uh, can say most of my problems derive from being rebellious most of my problems derive from doing my own thing my own way most of my problems derive from the fact that I heard God tell me to do something and I made a decision not to do it can I be honest I was talking to somebody I think it was yesterday and I said I got a credit card at, at uh, 18 19 years old and I had a three thousand dollar limit that was a a $3,000 limit on it and I said Lord do you want me to get my car fixed and I never heard the Lord speak so clearly and he said no and so I begin to rat. Listen, I begin to rationalize. Oh Jesus! I begin to say, "Well, Lord, you know, I'm just starting college, and I just started this new job, and I, you know, I'll pick people up for church." I literally said that to the Lord. I'll pick people up for church, and and people have been there for me, so I want to give back. And so I did my own thing, and it wasn't six months later that car was totaled in a, on, a, on the highway with an accident with a semi truck. I didn't have a scratch on my body but my car was done why because I decided to be disobedient can anybody be honest and say that wasn't me apostle but I can attest to something just like that when I heard the Lord tell me no and I rationalized and did my own thing and and I suffered the consequences and God just says if you just would have done what I told you yeah I'm your daddy yeah I'm a provide yeah I'm a cover for you but you got to go through some things and learn some responsibility this is why the Bible says that Jesus learned obedience. Hear this. By the things that he suffered, he became acquainted with what it meant to be submissive to the will of God by having to afflict his God-likeness and submit it to his humanity. Y'all ain't didn't hear what I said. In other words, what he was saying is, I know that I'm God in the flesh. I know that at any moment I can bat my eye and call 10,000 angels and this will Whole thing would be over, but I've got to submit to the will of my father, uh, put on the form of a human, put on the form of a servant. Uh, why? Because I have responsibilities. If you're with me, say I'm with you. Everyone say the yeast effect. I feel like preaching in just a moment. Everyone say the yeast effect. Now, let me help you with this. What is yeast? Yeast, brothers and sisters, is leaven. It is a small, uh, single-celled fungi. It is, a, it is what is known as a rising agent, a fermenter, uh, or a catalyst. And the origin of the word yeast or leaven literally means foam or bubble or boil. Everyone say yeast. It is considered to be an agent of change. It is considered to be something that, that, that literally changes the molecular structure of whatever substance that it comes in contact with. Some of y'all know where I'm going. Everyone say the yeast effect. It, it, brothers and sisters,
sisters, uh, uh, some of you perhaps uh, coming up into the uh, Thanksgiving season have an aunt or a grandmother who makes yeast rolls. So some of y'all know what I'm talking about. And, and they have to knead uh, the dough and they have yeast and you have a picture of it up here. And if you know, yeast is extremely small. It does not, it is not big at all. And this is why it has to, oh Jesus, and this is why it has to be kneaded into the substance. You don't, it don't need a whole lot either. You just need just a little bit and you have to knead it and work it within the substance. Everyone say the yeast effect. Now watch this. Jesus, brothers and sisters, was criticized because of what I call the yeast effect. You say, Apostle, what does that mean? The Bible clearly says to us that Jesus was known to be a friend to the sinner. The Bible says that he was literally connected to the wine bibblers and he allowed himself to be touched and handled by, by, by what the religious society would deem unclean and not worthy to even touch him. Are y'all awake this afternoon? Jesus, brothers and sisters, understood the power of the yeast effect. In other words, because he had an understanding of his responsibility, he had to ignore people who did not understand the weight of his identity, his gifts, and his calling. Are y'all awake this afternoon? Let me show you this in scripture. In John chapter 8, the Bible says that the Pharisees brought a woman who was caught in the very act of adultery. How they caught her in the act, that's another message. But uh, uh, but anyway, uh, uh, they, in the very act of adultery, and they brought her to Jesus. And Jesus just stoops down, writes in the sand, and begins to uh, illuminate the law to them and says, uh, 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 he who is without sin, uh, cast the first stone. Uh, and watch this. Uh, there was another place in the scriptures uh, where Jesus uh, allowed his feet to be washed by the hair of a harlot. Uh, Y'all don't hear what I'm saying. There's another place in scripture when there is a tax collector named Zacchaeus, uh, who the Bible says was in the sycamore tree just to see Jesus. And Jesus, throughout of all the entire crowd, sees Zacchaeus and says, Zacchaeus, come down, for today I'm coming to your house. And this, brothers and sisters, was uh, 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 anti-logical to the structure and the system of his day. But Jesus understood the yeast effect. Just bump somebody and say, I get that. I get that. I get that. I get that. Now watch this. Not only did he understand it, he exemplified it because let me help you here. And this thought, oh Jesus, has been on my mind for the past few days. I'm not trying to be uh, too controversial. Y'all know me. But uh, but there is a, uh, a Christian rapper and uh, he uh, said he excused himself from being a Christian rapper and he used the excuse, you don't call a plumber who is a Christian a Christian plumber. And I thought about that for a few moments and I was like, how, uh, uh, I'm trying to use nice words, how uninformed is that? Uh, I'm thinking to myself, this is a false equivalency. How are you going to equate plumbing to music? There are different genres of music. There is rap, there is country, there is gospel, there is alternative, and even within those genres, there are even sub-genres. So, for example, you have country music, but then you have bluegrass. In other words, he says, how in the world are you going to equate being a rapper or music to plumbing? I'm going somewhere. It's going to make sense in just a moment. And I begin to think about it. Don't you know your craft? Don't you understand that music changes moods and atmospheres? Don't you understand that music is a part of how we give glory and honor and worship to God? And you're going to excuse yourself from accountability and say that it's just like a plumber? Sir, no. No, that's not intelligent. That's not right. Now watch this. Why did I say that? Because even though Jesus understood the yeast effect, he did not compromise 
place who he was. Y'all didn't hear what I said. Because listen, you can become a part and close to, but your job as yeast is not to be changed, but to be the change agent. God help me here. So while you are rubbing shoulders with all of these people, while you are rubbing shoulders with all of these secular artists, while you are on the boardroom at the dinner table, wherever you find yourself, I want you to understand and realize that you have the responsibility to dominate the conversation. Y'all ain't gonna like this. You have the responsibility to not sit there and let them indoctrinate you on ideals and doctrines of demons and devils. God, help me here. Everyone lift your hands. God, I prophesy and I declare in Jesus' name that we are awakening to a yeast anointing. Father, I declare in Jesus' name that we are waking up to understand the place of our assignment. That we are waking up to understand that as world changers, we have been called to change the world and not allow the world to change us. If you receive it, say, I receive it. Come on, EC, put your hands together and tell God that you receive this word over your life. Hallelujah to Jesus. I told you I felt like preaching in just a moment, but I'm trying to arouse us this afternoon to understand that God has given us a responsibility. God has given us an assignment, a task, something that we ought to do. We are world changers. We are not changed by the world. We change the world. We are not changed by what the world's culture does. I feel you, Jesus. But, 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 but we have been planted in the earth for such a time as this. I want you to touch yourself and just encourage yourself and say, I'm a world changer. I'm a world changer. I'm a world changer. Now, I want you to look at our text in Matthew chapter number five. The Bible says to us that Jesus was teaching this parable, and he begins by saying, You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its impact or its flavor, how can it be seasoned? He said, It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by man. Everyone say salt. I didn't hear you. Everyone say salt. Now watch this. Salt, brothers and sisters, as most of us know, is a preservative agent. You preserve it. In fact, salt, brothers and sisters, was so highly valued. That's where we get the word salary from. Because you would pay someone in salt. Remember, think, they did not have refrigeration. They did not have an icebox or a freezer. So you had to preserve your food by piling on salt to keep it preserved. Everyone say preservatives. Uh, but not only, this is what I found out uh, in my studies, uh, but not only was salt known to be a preservative, uh, but salt also dealt with covenant. Uh, God help me preach this here. Uh, um, uh, uh, it'll be October the 15th this year that Lady Lisa and I will celebrate 12 years of marriage. And one of the things that we did in our ceremony is the salt covenant. And the whole essence of the salt covenant was that I'm going to take some salt from my box, put it in hers, and vice versa. And we can be separated if I can identify specifically my grains of salt, which is impossible, right? And so it deals with this thing of covenant as well. And so I begin to ask the Lord, okay, now what is the connection uh, between preserving and being in covenant? God, help me here. Uh, and then the God takes me back to Genesis and how he had made a covenant with Noah and said, I will not destroy the earth again. Y'all didn't hear what I said. So now what he does in the New Testament is he says, I'm not just going to raise up one person in the man of Noah and his family, but I'm going to reproduce myself in the earth. Remember, he says that we are the children of God. And he says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. They shall be called people who God 
God will claim and identify with. I just, this is off key, but I just don't believe that God identifies with everybody. Uh, just That's just BT3. I, 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 he made everybody and we were made in his image and in his likeness on a generic level. But there is another breed of people who say, I have submitted to the will of God. I, am, I have given myself to the learning and the studying of the scriptures and the word of God. And God begins to do some miraculous things in that person's life. Have you ever had a co-worker, a family member, or somebody who it seems like their life is just chalk full of calamity just everything goes wrong all the time and maybe I don't want to put nobody on blast I understand but there, there are some of us who experience that in our lives in our families in our circle where that one person always always hey you got five dollars there's just that one person that always man they going to the hospital again ain't you been to the hospital eight times in the last two months there's just something always is wrong with them. I submit to you they have not submitted themselves to the lordship of Jesus Christ. There is benefits with walking with God. There are things that God, oh, that God will do for you and through you. You don't even have to ask. You don't even have to beg. You don't even have to. So sometimes as a good father y'all ain't saying nothing to me. As a good father, God just decides to bless you just because. Does anybody know what I'm talking about just those surprise blessings and then you look back like the children of Israel and say man my shoes ain't worn out I don't know how I got food in the refrigerator I don't know why my car is still going even though I ain't changed my oil in five months yeah y'all hear what I'm saying there is a preservative about being in relationship with Jesus there is a call there is something in your heart and in your life that begins to change. I feel like preaching to myself. Y'all excuse me. If you just walk with God and be faithful with him, God will make God is not a man that he should lie. If he said he's going to do it, he's going to do it. Ah, when I grew up, we used to say this. Who wouldn't serve a God like this? We used to sing a song, you can't beat God giving. No matter how hard you try. I don't know about anybody else but be too free. But as for me and my house, we have seen the faithfulness of God. We have seen God make ways out of no ways. We have seen it. God, I don't know how I got here. But notice what he said. He said that we are the salt of the earth. We are the preservative agents that God seeks to use to establish his covenant in the earth. Are y'all awake with me? He goes on to say, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. This is why cream always rises to the top. He says, nor do they put a lamp, a light a lamp, and put it under the basket, but on the lampstand which gives light to all who are in the house. I want you to bump somebody and say, God, Come on, y'all. Say, God gave you something, and he gave it to you in order for you to shine on. Just tell somebody else the same thing. Say, God gave you something in order for you to shine on. Y'all didn't hear what I said. You know why? Because you're too consumed with your own issues. You know why you didn't get excited? because you can only think about what's not going right in your life but as you grow up and mature you can begin to thank God for what he did not allow to go wrong in your life hallelujah to God come on and say glory to God I'm trying to wake you up and realize that you have an anointing called yeast that is on your life he says you are a city set on a hill why they always picking on me because you are a city 
set on a hill. Why does everybody hating on me? Because you are the light of the world. And the world is growing darker and darker by the day. And we are to be growing brighter and brighter by the day. This is why Jesus did not condemn sinners. In other words, he said, I am sent here to redeem your full behind. I'm sent here. Those who are whole don't need a physician. But the reason that I'm here, my identity, my gifts, and my calling are pointing to my responsibility to save you from yourself. Come on and touch yourself. Encourage yourself. And say, I'm a world changer. 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 Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Come on, y'all. I want you to begin to close your eyes and think about what God has called you to do. And I want you to begin to to feel the responsibility of the Lord upon that thing. If you're smart, there's a reason you got good grades. If you're making good money on your job, that's not just for your house and your car and your clothes. If you are artistic, it's not just for you to doodle in class. There is something that God has invested in you. He said, I have given it to you so that I can get the glory out of your life is not for your selfish consumption. I gave you that light so that you can shine. I gave you that ability so that my presence can go with you wherever you are. It's not about you. It's not about the light shining on you. The reason that the light shines on you is so that you can reflect back to the Father. You gotta, gotta help me preach this how I feel it. So many of us, this is what God Satan in trouble. He began to make an assessment of God and then he began to look at himself and said, I can do that too. And they should worship me like that too. And this is why, brothers and sisters, so many industries, so many places are anti-Christ because they have adopted a Luciferian philosophy where it is about them and do as thou wilt. And it is all about you and making the almighty dollar but I declare in Jesus name that God is raising up an army at least in the city of Indianapolis that says we are world changers and it does not matter how rich how poor it does not matter how frustrated we are we understand that God has given us a responsibility to change our neighborhoods that God has given us a responsibility to shut down the adult entertainment industry. Yeah, talk back to me, y'all. We understand that there is an anointing, a yeast anointing that is residing within us. If you believe it, say, I believe it. And so, God, as we get bring ourselves to our last text, I want you to see what Jesus said. He said another parable he spoke to them. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast. It is like uh, that yeast. Can you find that picture again real quick? It is like yeast. He said the systems of the kingdom of heaven, the culture of the things of heaven is like yeast. Remember, yeast is very small, but it has large impact. Are y'all hearing me? He said, the kingdom of God is like yeast. Some of y'all about to get mad at me here, because for some of us who have taken a religious understanding of this, come out from the world and be separated. How can you be separated from a world you've been called to change? It doesn't make sense. How can you change what you won't touch? How can you change what you won't contact? How can you change? 
now the yeast has to be kneaded into the fabric of that thing the yeast has to slip into disguise so you can't see it anymore but you're going to see things begin to rise up it's the yeast anointing and the devil has successfully shut down some of us from understanding this so we walk around boastful and prideful I'm saved by his power divine and I like the song but don't miss what I'm saying okay I'm glad that you're saved but who have you saved I'm glad that you're saved and that God See, this is God help me here. I'm about to really get in trouble. See, if we consistently say things like, well, I made it today, I'm saved today. Well, then you become preoccupied with your own salvation. You become preoccupied with just, I didn't cuss today. I didn't, I didn't do this today. I didn't do that today. Yeah, but do your neighbors know that you love Jesus? If all you are doing is praising him to pay a what about the millionaires who need a word from the Lord? Y'all ain't gonna say nothing to me. You gotta wake up and understand that we have a responsibility to change the world. So he said the yeast of the kingdom of God is needed into the fabric of culture and society. He said it is needed in there, which means every minister is not gonna preach on a Sunday morning, which means that every minister is not going to have a microphone in their hand, but because some of us have been so baptized in religious pickle juice, we feel like being called to ministry means being called to preach, but being called to ministry means you've been called to serve. Where, where do I serve? I serve in the mountain of my school. I serve on media. I serve in government. I serve in the family. There is no such thing as full-time ministry. As soon as you got saved, you clocked into work. Y'all didn't hear me. There's no such thing as going full-time in ministry. If you are at home, you have to minister to your husband, to your wife, to your kids. If you are on a job, you got to be a light walking in the cubicles. God bless you. Good morning. You want some donuts? I'll get your coffee for you. That's full-time ministry. If you are a teacher, it does not matter. Those kids are your church. It does not matter. If you are working in the government, it is your responsibility to speak truth to power in a wise and crafty way. See, some of us, I'm already out here now. See, some of us, in order for us to prophesy, we all of a sudden get our King James dialect. Thou thus I hear the Lord saith unto thee. That's not, listen, you don't talk like that in normal English. And ain't nobody talking like that unless they are doing a medieval reenactment. God help me here. Can you can be normal, saved, prophetic, and have impact. I'm going to say it again. You can be normal, saved, prophetic, and have impact. You can just let your light so shine. Let it shine, shine, shine. Sometimes you ain't got to say a word. Just let your light shine. Just smile. Just put something on your face. When I think of his goodness and what he's doing, you ain't got to even say it out loud. But just answer the phone with a glory or a hallelujah in your tone. It don't matter if they're sitting in your barber chair. That's your church member cutting their hair. You're speaking the word of the Lord over their head. I don't care who you are. You have been called to change the world. It's the yeast effect. My God. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. God help me say this. I'm really in my old age trying to be more tactful and not offensive. I'm trying, y'all. Pray for me. 
Y'all, y'all ain't praying. Y'all just, y'all just, nope, we want to hear you say it. <laughs> Some of us in churches, our churches, and I, and I mean no offense when I say this, please hear me. I grew up in church. I'm a fourth generation pastor. I've seen it so many times. The elders don the pulpit waiting for their time to shine, waiting for their moment to preach. And as soon as they get the microphone, your responsibility is to read the scripture and give a two minute exhortation on the scripture that you read. This is not your conference message. This is not time for you to preach your revival message. Minister Armpit, it's time for you to pray. It's not time for you to sneak a preach in your prayer. God, help me here. Can I help you? And watch this. It's not entirely their fault, and I'll tell you why. Because we have built some of us such a construct and, and, and such a system that everything revolves right here. That everything is about this pulpit, a microphone, and I just want to be seen. And I have a ministry too, and I can hear from the Lord too. And how come I don't get my chance? No, Negro, excuse me. You have a phone. Y'all, y'all didn't hear what I said. Yeah. I just want to prophesy. You got 110 contacts in your phone. Yeah. 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 My God. Your phone has a microphone in it. I'm trying to help you to see the yeast effect. Yeah. My God. Yeah. Show us. Yeah. That as children of God, we've been given a responsibility from Genesis chapter one to subdue, to have dominion, to Adam. I need you to keep it intended. And so now that we're in the second Adam, y'all don't hear me. My God. My God. We have the same responsibility. So every murder that comes into Indianapolis, I take that personally. I get irritated every single time. I get I get bothered. That's why I'm about to be a chaplain. Are y'all hearing me? So you you can't just talk about oh the hell the world is going to hell in a handbasket. That's why you're here to depopulate hell. that you can't stand is your assignment. See, because, you know, we talk, we, we do well in church. He's greater, he's greater, he's greater, greater is he that works in me. And then, if we don't get our coffee on Monday morning, we become a heathen. Oh, I'm going to say it. A, a coffee is a plant. It is a bean. And you and I, see, you're sitting down on me now. Don't tell on yourself. And he says that you are supposed to have dominion over that stuff. I'm trying to be, I'm trying to be funny, but don't miss what I'm saying. We be, we come completely out of character because of a plant. Hold on. You're believing God to save you and heal your body and you can't talk to somebody without a plant? I told y'all five minutes ago I was trying to be nicer and y'all didn't pray for me. Y'all just said that. These are the consequences of your lack of prayerlessness. I'm being, I'm being funny so you can digest it, but I'm being extremely serious. Amen. Amen. Where is the power of God when you leave 2192? And, and oh, Jesus, you want, okay. See, because, come here, please, sweetheart. I've got to watch how I treat her. Listen, even when she gets on my nerves. Because she does. <laughs> Listen, I'm not being I'm being serious. Right, right. And I'm sure I know I get on hers. That's not the point that I'm making. The point that I'm making is I can't come out of character when the person closest to me does not respond the way I want them to respond. 
Because I can't stand up and be a hypocrite and say, love your neighbor, love your... And then treat her like crap when we go to 10-11. Because the same Holy Ghost that's making me jump and spit and scream and holler and sweat is that same Holy Ghost that goes home with me. And says, you know, you need to go apologize. But, but I'm the apostle and go say I'm sorry. Because I still need her and want her on the front row taking notes. So if nobody says nothing, if she's sitting there, I'm good. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? It's, it's the yeast effect. You can thank you. It's the yeast effect that you have the power of God in you when you don't feel it, Alicia. Now you, why you call me out, Apostle? I'm on one today. Just flow with me. It's the yeast effect. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be big and, and loud and boisterous. That yeast is real small. Oh, yes. Yeah. Why? Because it makes big impact. When you need it, when you become a part of the system, when you get involved in the community, when you sit down with somebody you have a problem with and say, you know what, how can I pray for you? What's bothering you? You, you, you don't seem to be happy. Leave me alone. You're in my business. Okay, I'm going to just keep. All right. God bless you. And listen, and you just be consistent. Hey, how you doing? All right. You just be consistent. How you doing? All right. And then one day, you're going to walk by with tears in their eyes. Hey, can I talk to you for a minute? I just lost my mom. And now you got a friend and an opportunity to minister because you were bigger than your feelings. It's the yeast effect. It's that when you can get close to those things and literally be hidden in those things and cause change to happen because you're there. It's the yeast effect. Let me show you this, and I'm done. Let me show you this when I'm done. When Jesus was about to die, and they came to take him away, because G uh, Judas had colluded with them, he said, I want to kiss him so that you can identify who he is. Stay with me. What is my point? Jesus looked like everybody else. Wow. Wow. He didn't have on an extra robe. He didn't have on, you know, something that would, I'm Jesus. He didn't look like what everybody thought he would look like. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? Because that's another trick. I believe that religion is not, you got to look different from the world. Where do, where do I see that in the scriptures? Right. Because they won't look at you. You are Looney Tunes. Man, put on some makeup. Amen. No, I'm being serious. Yeah. Because how, how they're not going to trust you if they can't identify with you. Right, 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 right. It's the yeast effect that you can get close and not be changed. It's the anointing that will keep you so you can talk to people and, and, and their language begins to change just because of how you treat them. He said, you're going to know that you are my disciples, not by what you look like, but by your love. It's the yeast effect. You're a city set on a hill. You can't be hidden. You can't. I always just ask myself, why am I always that guy that people, I walk in the store and two people go by in front of me. But it's that one person that's like, hey, kind of, that just identifies with me. Hey, you got $5. I'm like, Negro, you, you saw 10 <laughs> people walk by. Why you choose me? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's a thing. It's a thing. Thank you. Thank you, girl. Thank you. My point is, you cannot be hidden. Right, right. So, okay, I'm done. I really am done. How many have been in a backslidden state? You ain't got to raise your hand if you don't want to. You went to go try to go do stuff that you know you were supposed to do. And your friends are like, you don't even sound right cussing. Like, you don't even look right in here trying to do your thing. You just stick out like a sore thumb. Because you're trying to put that, that light that you are under a bushel. 
you're, 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 you're trying to be something you're not. Why? Because you don't know your identity, you haven't discovered your gifts, and you don't understand you've been called. I'm done. Let, stand to your feet. Let me tell the truth. I ain't done. I'm going to stop. So you used to think you're world changers. And Jesus said you have a responsibility irrespective of how you feel, irrespective of what's going on in your life. He said, listen, in Matthew chapter 6 in that next chapter, he said, don't seek those things. What am I going to eat? What am I going to put on? He said, listen, take no thought for tomorrow. He said, all those things the Gentiles seek. But you seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. What is he saying? I'm going to take care of you if you do what I've called you to do. Because I need you to impact the world. And I don't need you worried about what am I going to eat? What am I going to put on? Oh, what's going to happen to my life? Because you'll be distracted from your assignment. Thank you. I'll take care of you if you do what I tell you to do. I'll become your employer if you do what I tell you to do. I'll make sure your lights stay on if you bless me when the lights are off. I'll make sure that your water stays on if you use your water to bless somebody else. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I'll make sure food stays in your refrigerator if you can take some out and understand this food does not belong to me. It belongs to somebody else. What he's saying is if you become a distribution center, I'll make sure your needs are met emotionally, physically, financially, all otherwise. But you better understand your yeast. Father, in Jesus' name. Yes, Lord. Speak, Father. I sense the Lord is speaking to some of us right now. I'm going to do this. And again, to my visitors, this is atypical of us. We haven't taken our offering. I want the Lord to speak to you concerning your giving this afternoon. And then we're going to take the altar call. But some of us want to get some breakthrough in our finances. Hallelujah. Don't get out the spirit. We're still in the spirit. I'm just being obedient to the Father. I want you to get your offering in your hand right now. Whether it is electronic, whether it is uh, a check or cash. And I want you to understand that your finances is a form of yeast. 